Today on Catfish Best Source, we talk media, we talk fishing, we talk whatever we come up with with Jason Walter out of South Dakota. From the studios of Grand Forks Best Source, welcome to Catfish Best Source, presented by Half Brothers Brewing. I'm your host, Brad Durek, as always, joined by producer Dale, who's always doing a good job over here. Look at that, giving me the old rock and roll horns. Just a few reminders. First off, I'd like to congratulate our super clean winner number one. If you remember, we are talking about super clean. Get, gets all the grease and everything, tire wash, whatever you need to get cleaned up, super clean has you taken care of. Uh, our first winner of, of number one was Philip Shaughnessy from Iowa. We're about to draw for drawing number two for your prize pack, and we are going to start the last super clean contest of the season Go over to the Brad Durek Outdoors Facebook page, find the lo- the pinned Super Clean logo, and go in and type in the keyword river. Pretty darn easy to enter this one. Tonight's Half Brothers Brewing is an oldie but a goodie that's probably been here three or four times. Is oh, That's some pretty good video. The Double Trouble. Double Juicy IPA, one of my favorites. It's one that I actually had at the house, but it's always a good staple over there. Uh, always got new stuff coming out at Half Brothers Brewing. We'll uh, tell you more about them. As you already know, we're enjoying a double trouble with our from our friends and sponsors at Half Brothers Brewing. These guys are awesome at making beer. They have been, me enjoying brews that I used to not care for much. That I find myself liking IPAs. If you would have told me when I came in here last season that I'd be drinking IPAs, by choice, yeah, right. I love Sours, the Classic, the Nodak 23, always something new down at Half Brothers. There's so many, I can't even remember them offhand, and they change weekly. My new one is Morning Dreams, actually. It's been around, it's always on tap, and it's my new, my new one lately. A little tangerine in my beer, so to speak. Like them on social media at Half Brothers Brewing. I also want to tell you about their tap room on North 3rd Street in Grand Forks. Do yourself a favor. Stop by the tap room downtown. I've already told you about the beer. Hang out with your friends. Kids are welcome at Half Brothers. Enjoy pizza, pizza rolls, nachos, and the pretzel bites are obviously my favorite. You won't regret it. Check them out on the web, halfbrothersbrewing.com. Stop stop by the tap room on North 3rd Street in Grand Forks. Tell them Captain Brad sent you. Believe me, they all know me down there now. Thunder Rays, everyone with a car or truck was going to need repair at one time or another may i recommend thunder rays ray is a friend of this show and of catfishing in grand forks he started his own shop i knew he was going to do great just drive by the shop and you're always full of cars and he'll tells me that they are good our family started taking all of our service to ray since he opened ray's fixes all makes and models besides fixing your car or truck they can get or mount all any tires you want they can fix rotate balance tires if you need from my personal experience ray even packs and replaces the wheel bearings on my boat trailer they can do oil changes, tire cha- changes, brakes, starters, alternators, electrical, any other thing you can think of. And yeah, they can even help you restore your muscle car. If you want fast, honest service, think Rays. Thunder Rays on North Washington Grand Forks. For more information or to make your appointment, thunderrays.com. All right, now getting down to business here. We're bringing in a guy that's not a cat fisherman, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> Uh, he has a radio show that's based all over. He'll tell us more about it. Uh, I met him at the 
ice show in Sioux Falls a couple of years ago. Welcome aboard, Brian Walsh, a.k.a. Chasen Walter from here on. Welcome aboard, sir. Hey there, how's it going? Good, how are you? Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm pretty pumped. So you're a radio professional. How'd I do with all that opening gizmo? You did fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, the only thing that was missing is you should have had your hand up here, and you could have been putting it on a little bit more there if you if you would have wanted to. But you you know why rip off Gary Owens, right? Well, now we have uh, Chase and Walter School of Radio Broadcasting starting up. <laughs> no, no, you did great. I've been watching you. Matter of fact, Nick Clute that you had on uh, just last Tuesday was a, a ton of fun. You guys went a little bit longer even. He had so much good information that uh, I was taking notes. Well, I could we could have gone longer. I was skipping things. Uh, in, in his case, he sends me the questions because he knows what the research projects are that they're working on that are pertinent to our area and right. what this show would talk about. So last year, he sent me, this is what we're working on. So all the questions were pre-written out for me. And I just had to ask him and sit back and let him. And last year it was talk about the Creel survey. Well, in next year, we're going to do this, this, and this. So basically all we did this year is he sent me the same questions and I asked him and all the projects are done, which made for a heck of a good show. And he is so smart and on top of everything, it's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, for, for guys that are, are nerds, like not like him, but nerds like you and I, were, we want to know the information, you know, whether it's the pressure thing or, or whatever it happens to be. When guys like that talk, you really have to listen. Oh, yeah. And I he's going to be a regular as long as this show goes on. He's going to be an annual guest. And I don't usually like to do that because I like to break things up. But there's just so much going on, especially with the Straight and Dam project that should be finished next year. Um, and it doesn't really pertain to Nick necessarily, but we got new boat ramps going in East Grand Forks in the next year, year and a half. Ooh. And that's a that's a big deal for this river and what's going forth in this river. So, um, you know, having an in with the DNR and those guys and them being willing to explain stuff to us is a, is a big, big deal. Yeah, it's nice to get that kind of information because I think people question that stuff, but they don't know where to go and they don't know where to get the information. So when you can sit and listen to your podcast, your show, you know, right there, there's the information they can rely on that. They know that you're going to have them on again and again and again, and they can, they can certainly count on you to get that information. So that's nice. I like that. Well, 15 years of doing this and many more, you know, before I started guiding, it's not always been like this. You go to the DNR or even North Dakota Game and Fish, you read about it from an article written by my friend Brad Dawkin, and that's how you get your information. That's not all bad, but man, having the horse's mouth sitting there answering questions and going in detail, that's a big deal, and it helps a lot. It is. Yeah, it really is. I really enjoyed it. I was, you know, I right away in the beginning, like, oh, this is going to get a little technical, and, and it was it was perfect for me. I enjoyed it. So, Nick, you did a great job. It was great to listen to you, and, and I really enjoyed that. And it, it, I guess I got a little bit more comfortable uh, I haven't done this a whole lot, so the radio thing for me is pretty simple. But and that's the thing, I you know I I do a radio show. I don't really spend a whole lot of time on the digital aspect with all the social media stuff. I realize you have to have it there, but my heart lies in radio. You, you know, I have a ninety second show, so I literally when I have you on to talk about Bow Bells, North Dakota, you get sixty five seconds to tell the story. 
And that's all there is. But for radio, it works perfectly because people are busy. They're doing what they're doing. And that 90 seconds seems to fit. And the cool thing is we're catching people that aren't in the industry. We're teaching them about other things. They're having fun. They're entertained. And they're learning more about stuff going on on social media. That you know, it's interesting. The number of people that don't have fa- uh, excuse me, Facebook or, or any of those social media accounts that are out fishing the shores of uh, Lake Ponset around here or Thompson or wherever it happens to be. So it's fun to be able to educate people and share what's going on on the World Wide Web with people in the real world. The few things I did have written down for notes, you got to the second half and I'm not changing it. So I bet, and I knew I should have pulled this out and had Dale load it up for me. I bet you didn't know where Bowbells, North Dakota was before you talked to me, and I bet you'll never forget now. <laughs> was he, no, I knew exactly where Bowbells was because I grew up in Rugby, North Dakota. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. We had to so, talk yeah, so, about that. So Bowbells was, you know, that was that was a piece of cake for me. When you said that, I in in I'm just laughing. I'm like, okay, he doesn't know I'm going to use this as an episode, but I'm no, using I this didn't, as an and you shocked me with that one. <laughs> you know, and, and and that was you know that was the. That was the whole deal. I, I, I nobody brings up Bowbells, and when you grow up in North Dakota, Northern North Dakota, you know that. Well, you just happen to know where Bowbells was. When I did the episode with you, talking about Bowbells, you know, it, it, it was interesting. I don't know how many people caught the the uh, in there. I said it was so far from Egypt, and I I, I went and and looked up. How many miles it was? Bowbells was from Egypt, three thousand four hundred twelve, whatever it was. And I don't think people put two and two together about uh, about Bowbells and how far it was from blankety blank Egypt. So uh, that and that's my sense of humor. I, I you know if if, um, if you're listening to, I did an episode called "Name My Trip to Namesville," and I had you in it, and uh, you were you was uh, Durick was a town. And then you went through Durham, and and I said that the gal had uh, said that, that the wheat was about ready to harvest at that point. So, you know, all those little goofy things I love to throw in there. And my show is is I just wrote it. Uh, I had a, somebody questioned and asked if I was a a pro. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not a pro, and I never will be. I honestly, the way I look at it, I, I it's novice to novice um, advice. You know, I, I use all of this stuff, whether it's a, a live scope or whether it's Humminbird or, or whatever. I, I, I want to be able to talk all of that with everybody. So I use it all, and then I share my experience as a novice user, and I find it helps people. I hear from people, and that's great. Yeah, we, you know, if you listen to our live event here a couple weeks back, uh, we had Brad Dawkins from the Grand Forks Herald on, and him and I used to have a podcast called Why Fish Radio, and that was the approach we took. Now, granted, we had that show long before the guiding thing popped up for me. We were just two guys running around the country catching fish, and then the guiding thing happened, and you know that tied me down. So we're not on these trips as much, but it's it's uh, it is important because today's, <clears throat> and I don't want to slam an industry I'm in too hard, but. Um, today's problem, I think, is a lot of people are convinced you need a $100,000 boat and a $70,000 truck to pull it and $250 rods to, to be successful, and that's simply not true, and we prove it time and time with catfishing. Right. Well, and that was the, the thing you mentioned, catfish. I thought, well, you know, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with Durek because I, I don't know anything about catfish, 
And then I realized I am actually a very good catfish fisherman or catfish angler because I've got a place out at Lake Oahe on South Whitlock, and I walleye fish a lot, and I catch more catfish than I do walleye. So, Why am I just learning about this now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, because I never thought to tell you that. It just hit me on my way home from the radio station this morning. I thought, you know, I catch a lot of catfish. They're channel cat out there. And the the interesting thing, even with the Humminbird Live that I started using last fall, I started following some of these groups of fish. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, if you don't have a camera with you, they look a lot like walleye on the bottom of the lake. And well, in cold I'm, water, I'm, they bite like them, too. Yeah, they, exactly. You know, so for for a short while... You think you've got a walleye until they get closer to the boat and they start to roll and, and then they, they slime up your line and, and you've got, got you know, a, a crazy mess. But, yeah, I catch a lot of catfish, and I don't know how many 25 to 30, maybe 32 inches of them out last there. year because I, I thought I was chasing walleye in deep water. Yeah, that chasing Walter thing. Change your <laughs> name to chasing cat. <laughs> yeah right yeah I, I i think that'll be a little bit harder for people to get it's interesting that there are people that understand chase and walter and then there are others that they just they just think it's my real name and it's it's you know chasing walleye is what it's all about and and that that actually came from my username on walleye central from so many years ago which walleye central is still active i didn't know that website and that whole blog was still there, I went and refreshed my uh, information and and my account there, but I was chasing or chasing Walter. And then uh, when I started this show, I just kind of transformed it into a, more of a name. Okay, back to these catfish. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Are you catching these things through the ice, or is it just are you boat fishing nope. them with the live, nope. getting them in the cold water like we were talking there? Yeah, well, basically. You know, out there on Oahe, you can catch catfish at any given time, but it's it's pulling spinners or or pulling slow death with uh, with a crawler or a leech or you know spinner. Any of your basic bottom bouncer techniques will catch channel cat on Lake Oahe. Well, and that's how they catch them in places like uh, Lewis and Clark Lake, the the tournament there in September. Sure, uh, that's what they do. They get it down to point. 1.2 mile an hour pulling planer boards and that's exactly what they do but they target them by putting on actual catfish bait on the same rig so imagine if you did that in south dakota knowing what you know oh my yeah see and i and i i'm sorry but i love catching walleye and i like catching perch and i don't mind catching northern i love catching bass you know I'm if you keep talking about walleyes bait. in this positive excitement like you are i'm gonna cut this show short so let's <laughs> okay sure no but you know really the 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 thing with fishing i i think and maybe i'm a good guy to to attest to this that you go out fishing you've got walleye on your mind or you've got perch on your mind and then you catch a bullhead or you catch uh, a catfish and you're kind of disappointed because you think here's my 10 pound walleye and it's not but then for for like a guy like me who just enjoys the sport period i realized that i just had an opportunity for 5 minutes maybe 10 minutes to fight this big fish 
to go through this whole thing. And, it, and here's the thing for people who are, are looking to catch big fish. If you want to learn and practice on, on keeping and catching a big fish, take your time with that catfish and play with it and learn how to use your rod and reel and your drag. And it will make you a better fisherman. That's the thing that I've learned from catching catfish. Yeah. In the cooler water, you know, they tap a jig just like a walleye. And if yeah. you've done it enough, especially in the river, you know them as second you set the hook. But if you don't, <clears throat> you think you got Mr. Wonderful Walleye on yep. for the longest time. And then you're really disappointed when it surfaces. Because I remember my first time. So we had been out, I'm just going to say, in the area, not in the area. We'll leave it at that. In the river. A river. Sure. And my buddy caught an 11-pound walleye. Late, late October. Okay. Awesome. Never seen one that big in person before. Two days later, he caught a 13.2. Really never seen one that big in person before. So I caught like a 25-incher, I don't know, and very disappointing. It's nice walleye. Very disappointing when you're seeing 31 inches come yeah. across. Yeah, and, it, it uh, really is, but that's a nice walleye. So we go back, another friend and I, to the same spot a year later. And sure enough, boom, 29 and a half inches he catches. And I'm still waiting. I get into one, and I'm like, yes, here we go. And this went on. We had a back anchor down. Get that thing up. You can't lose this. This is Mr. Wonderful. See, I'm talking positive about walleyes right now. And... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, this thing just sat and thumped on the bottom. No runs, no rolling, just thump, thump. And up comes a 16-pound catfish. I have never in my life been so disappointed to see a big catfish ever as that time. But See, do you understand that. Yeah, I also understand the next time it happened, my buddy, who didn't know what was going on, is getting the net and having a cow, and he's like, well, geez, you're not very worried about it. I go, it's a 15-pound cat. How do you know? Because it's too heavy. When was the last time you felt a 15-pound walleye? Right. <laughs> so yeah, isn't that the truth? You you know, yeah, You right. start, I know right away. I mean, this fall we were doing some fishing and catching some really nice, nice walleyes, and I got into four or five in that seven to eight-pound range, and the second they hit it, I knew it, just by how they acted. They sure. still thump, they still bit light, they still felt like it, but head shake. They did a roll. And walleyes don't roll. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yep. And Yeah, and that is the dead giveaway for for those that have never caught catfish before and have have had the luck of only catching walleye. You know, they do have that roll and the Did you closer just say you luck of catching surface, walleye? The Are you roll. joking? Did you really just say that? The luck of yeah. catching walleye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, normally since you're going to be like this the whole show. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. No, okay. <laughs> Normally, if we get into a walleye dirt while I'm cat guiding, I'm like, oh, another trash fish. And that usually gets everybody wound up. <laughs> or I'll say another bottom feeder or whatever pops in my head at the moment. Oh, you know, so yeah, things run a little opposite in my, my boat. <laughs> You know, here's the thing, when, when you're on a show and you're the only catfish guide on the Red River, if if there isn't somebody with the guts to make you constantly talk walleye instead of catfish, you know, it, 
Well, I'm doing my job. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, someday, if I have the time, I'd like to get you up here to experience some real fishing. But <laughs> really, you know, as much as we laugh at that, I would love to do that. I watched the episode that bit with uh, John Thielen. You know, and they were what, like sixteen pound cat? They were nice catfish. Yeah, the two right at the end were in that twenty range. We never did put a scale on them, but I'm positive one of them was twenty twenty one. The oh, other yeah, one was nice just fish. a touch under it, but. That was uh, that was some bad timing at the end. If you noticed, there was uh, no real in-boat footage of it because we were tearing down to go home when it happened. Uh, I wondered. It seemed like you were kind of, at the end, we were just kind of hurrying, sort of, and I wondered what happened there. But then again, I didn't care because you were catching fish. We were wrapping it up, and I shouldn't even say this on the air. We were wrapping it up, and he had the drone up because we were going to get the running footage, and both of those hit and they were the two biggest fish of the day hands down no questions asked and we had the show done we, we did it sure. and then mr wonderful and mr wonderful's brother decide to hit as we're tearing down <laughs> well see i think it's great people like to hear those little those inside stories that you don't get from the show or anywhere else so yeah you uh you got an a plus for uh letting that little secret out well if we're letting out secrets i should tell you about the Last time I shot with In Fisherman, or second to the last time I shot with In Fisherman. Okay, I'd like to hear it. Um, Doug's probably not going to like hearing this if he ever watches this show. But so we had Mister Wonderful for our show closer. We're done. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, and we had lots of fish, but we finally got the one, and it was the biggest, blackest, beat up, ugly thing you could imagine, <laughs> and. The host of the show, not Doug, was uh, having trouble spitting out his lines for the show close. So I stuck it in the net, and I held it over the side of the boat. And Dave, the camera guy, goes, you figure out what you need to say. I'm going to run over here and use bathroom. Well, wouldn't you know, he's standing in the back of the boat. I'm holding the fish in the net. I mean, this whole procedure was a minute and a half. He's up there, okay, this is our big fish, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for joining us. Rod comes down, nails Dave, camera's oh, laying no. in the front of the boat. Well, you might as well reel it in, Dave, because <laughs> we're not getting any footage of this guy. Oh, no. So he reels up this fish that was the same size and the most gorgeous animal you've ever seen. And it surfaced and took a dive to the bottom. So what do I do? I dumped the black one that we had. Now we have nothing, and I'm hoping we're going to get this fish. Oh, no. <laughs> we net it. So you see this awesome fight, which is the ugly black one that we didn't use, and then he stands up and holds the most gorgeous catfish you've ever seen in your life and does the show close. <laughs> I'll be darned. I should awesome. not. See? I should not have ever admitted that one either, but that was 12 years ago, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, that, that is kind of forgotten, but one person here in it will know exactly, and, and they will, they'll love the fact that you told that story. And when you said you caught a big black one, I... Uh, I was I was reeling in uh, an awesome fish. This thing was, but it was, you know, like wow. It, it's almost, it's just, it's dead. It it isn't even putting up a fight. But I'll tell you what, it just, it would pull a little drag, and I'd I'd lift it back up, and I'd reel it in, and I finally got it to the surface. It was an extra large uh, Under Armour hoodie. <laughs> It was the most. It was the most weird fight, you know, because it was it was catching water in the hood, 
And then I, you know, then I'd kind of let it go and it would, it would get a little more weighty with, with water and hood, whatever. And it was just, it was so weird, you know, and, and I, I knew it wasn't a fish after a while in the beginning, I thought it was, but then I'm like, okay, now, you know, what do I have here? Because it, it didn't feel like a, a tree branch or, or something of that nature. It was just, it was this weird, odd, odd feeling because you could, you could tell it was moving. That sounds so, like hooking into a sandbag at Devil's Lake. They they drag about the same. <laughs> yeah, probably. From the yeah, old flood I've, days. But I've never been that lucky. I'll tell you the prank that no one will ever fight, ice fish with either of us after I do, because you started it with how it fought. I was in Canada once, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And I went out to use the bathroom, and I came back, and the guy's sitting with, hey, you got a fish maybe. And I look down, and there's a huge mark, and I set the hook, and a race is on. And this thing fought and went side to side, and it would come up, and it w- it would go by the hole, and it was it was gray. And I th- I'm in walleye country, and I think I got a catfish on through the ice now. Well, here when I went outside, he quick reeled up and tied on one of those ninety nine cent coffee mugs. Oh, for Pete's sake! And it turns out when you drop those down and you set the hook, they fill up with water and they fight. But then they'll flip over and dump out, and they come up just like a fish. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I've pulled that one on a handful of people over the years, and it works every time. I mean, they fight just like a. I mean, they actually fight like a big walleye does. It's. I love that. I'm going to try that this weekend. We are. Uh, well, if you look at the weather stick here. Oh yeah, um, the old weather stick. Yeah, if you look at that, she she says it it's fishing time this weekend. We're gonna have thirty five degrees here, so it's gonna be a beautiful weekend. And I'm gonna go out with a uh, a friend of mine, Chad, and he's gonna get the coffee mug trick pulled on him. <laughs> well, you probably have a cupboard full of them because everybody on the planet does. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if it falls well, off, it's no big loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm gonna use the Viking one. Oh jeez, we're not talking sports. Nope, we're no, not. Nope. no, we're not. No, I just said all I said. If I'm gonna, if I'm losing a coffee mug. I'm going to lose the Viking mug, and, and that's it. And sorry, if, if I were to do this shameless little plug. I'll give you that one. That's fair. I'll give okay. you that one. All right. Even though I'm from North Dakota, that's fair. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. I mean, so, there was a lot of good seasons to get to that. Yeah, no kidding. You know, really, the, the rivalry between the two teams is fantastic, and it just came to the to, to the point where – it was time for the uh, Jackrabbits to beat the Bison and and go out on top uh, at number one. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I have no problem with that. Remember, I'm a UND fan, too. Right, yes. And we have hockey. Yeah. I, I get you. I was born in Grand Forks, by the way. Not that it matters, but... Born in Grand Forks, raised in rugby, got to South Dakota yeah. somehow. Yep, yeah, radio. So, um, let's see, what else? What do you think, Dale? Should we get a commercial break out of the way here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, stand by. Brothers? Brothers Firearm Shop, located in the Grand Cities Mall. They buy, sell, trade new and used firearms. Brothers has got you covered with anything you need, from tons of firearms, silencers, all the way to flamethrowers, which if you look behind me, you can see. And Brothers Firearms is veteran-owned. Check out Brothers Firearms in Grand Cities Mall and Grand Forks. Open Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays noon to 4. Brothers Firearms, protecting America since 2015. BrothersFirearmsShop.com. What do you think of that flamethrower? Or can't you see it, I suppose? Uh, yeah, I can't see oh, the flamethrower. Well, it's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, uh, it looks pretty cool. Producer Paul from here at Grand Forks Best Source has it. I think he's standing over here. That's yours, right? Yeah, it's producer Paul's. <laughs> You'll see it when you see the show. Well, see, that's the deal. When you got the governor of South Dakota that gets a flamethrower for Christmas, uh, everybody wants one. That's what they're doing it? That's what's selling them? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's selling right now. That's what's selling the flamethrowers is the governor getting one for Christmas. So... Before we move on, chiller bait tanks. Everyone in catfishing knows that fresh bait is the key to better success. Keep your bait fresh and alive longer with chiller bait tanks. Chiller bait tanks are the only fully insulated roller mold tank on the market, making them more the most durable bait tank on the market. Chiller bait tank offers patent-pending operating system for controlling gases and marine storage tanks. Our tank features off-chamber aeration. What is off-chamber aeration, you ask, and why is it important? Air is comprised of 78% oxygen, 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. They're focused on the 21% oxygen that goes into the pump bay, confining bubble agitation. The oxygenated water is then pumped throughout the tank. Available in 30 and 45 gallons models. Both include free shipping. Each tank includes free three three-stage quick-change filter, and a customizable power cord. Chiller bait tanks are compact, durable, to give you many years of worry-free bait keeping. For more information or to buy your last bait tank, check them out at chillerbaittank.com. Okay, I'm going to turn gears on you here. Sure. Let's t- just talk fishing. Let's talk Brian Walls for a couple minutes. Okay. When did you start, and how did you get into fishing, and then how did it kind of grow into the adult years or whenever you got started? Because I always ask new people to the show that. Yeah, I, it, really, it, I, I think it, it's a, a good story. When I was a kid, grew up in Rugby, North Dakota, Devil's Lake was 60 miles away. We had a lake cabin on Lake Metagoshi, and my grandparents were big-time fishermen. They loved to fish. We had a little, uh, a little Scooby van. It was a, a Ford van camper, 1971. We would take that thing from Castleton, North Dakota, all the way over to, well, not all the way, not, not like it was a long trip or anything, but we would fish Ashtabula. We would fish Van Hook Arm. We would go into Minnesota and fish Crystal and Lida and Franklin. And we were always, always doing that on the weekends in the summer as kids. And then, of course, as I got older, my friends wanted to fish, so all of a sudden we find ourselves fishing Zeebok Pass and Six Mile Bay and kind of living on Devil's Lake there a little bit. The The fishing up on Metagoshi wasn't all that great. Now it's awesome for Big Blue Gill, and, and uh, I'd love to go up there and do that. But then I went to college. I know a guy that has a cabin in Devil's Lake that can be the place to stay for that trip. Say, <laughs> that's... That's the guy. I've, I've got some friends there that uh, the Lears, they've got a spot out there too. So I'm going to come up and hang out a little bit more at Devil's Lake because I, I just, I, it just kills me that I'm five hours away and don't make the trip. But the crazy thing is, I went to college and started working for WDAY in Fargo and then uh, did radio there. Then ended up going to Faribault, Minnesota. And Really didn't know a whole lot of people there, but then I came to Brookings, and once I got to Brookings, I met some people that fished quite a bit. And it's interesting, when you go from 1984 to 1997, in that period of time, fishing changed quite a bit. Because in 1984, we were fishing with Zebco 33s, 202s, 600s, 600s. 
and and that was our deal. You know, you had the split rod, and and when we were fishing through the ice, you were fishing through the ice with a broomstick that was cut 16 inches long. You had two nails in it. You had the braided line, and then you you either had a hook or you had that that goofy smelt hook. So now all of a sudden, 1997 comes along, and I've got to learn to fish with something other than the Zebco. And it just kind of grew from there and, and ended up getting into the wheelhouse thing and started just enjoying the daylights out of fishing again because it had been so long, hunting and all that stuff in the outdoors. But then I had a friend that used to fish professionally, and he said, hey, I want to do an outdoor show on the radio. I don't want to I, – I don't want to – advertise my fuel i want to advertise the elevator and i want to do something different so we did a chs outdoors and then i was asked to do my in through the outdoors program for a different radio network and it was about that time my dad had passed away and i realized that he had saved all this money for retirement and so had i and like I'm, I'm done i'm going to start living and so in through the outdoors and chasing walter Traveling all over has been an unbelievable opportunity for me to experience life and to have a good time. And the show that I'm doing, you know, I'm not doing it to make a bunch of money. I'm, I'm really, I'm doing it to entertain people. It's fun. I meet great people like you. I just had Dan Spengler from Berkeley. I've never met him, yesterday. but isn't that guy something? Yeah, he's something crazy. You know, he is. He is absolutely an unbelievable guy and the story about him making baits as a kid and doing all of this it, he's exactly where he's supposed to be that's the crazy thing he belongs at berkeley and he belongs with these guys creating these hard baits and and it's so much fun but i've met so many awesome people and i get to share stories talking to john Procknow, you know John had had some awesome stories about gulp and and power bait and and, uh, and and I was just surprised the the stuff that he told me or the stuff he shared with me it wasn't going to be a part of the episode but it ended up being the first episode with him because it was so cool. Well, I met you two years ago at the um, Ice Institute in Sioux Falls because you knew our mutual friend Andy from Pure Fishing down there that yeah, I was right. looking yep. for. And yep. here we are sitting on a podcast studio on Zoom. But, uh, you know, a couple of years, few shows of visiting with you now, you strike me as the guy who knows everybody, yet the general public generally doesn't know who you are. And that's right. why you're here. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah that, that's funny that you say that because that's how I feel. You know, it is really, it's really weird. You know, anybody that follows me on social media, and I, I try to explain it this way, I've got all the big fish in the lake on my social media accounts. I, I've got all these guys like you, but I don't have the minnows. You know, you don't, don't have the regular average followers, and I'm finding out that a lot of them just don't have Facebook or Instagram or anything of that nature. So it's fun to be able to, to produce a daily radio show that gives people all these little tidbits and lets them into the world of mostly fishing, but there's some hunting stuff. Well, as well, in the grand scheme of things, I'm a pretty little minnow in in the big in the big picture. I learned yeah, that well, when I went to ICAST in 2017. 
I probably will never go to ICAST. I learned a lot on that trip. <laughs> I bet you did. Let me tell There's you. Some big fish there. Let me tell you about the fishing industry. The fishing industry is an elephant. And catfishing is a wart on that elephant's ass. That's how this whole... Hey, I mean, laugh at yourself. Yeah, right. I, I get mean, that. I mean that to be funny, but after you go there and walk around in that place with the money flowing that's flowing, the orders being placed, KVD walking by you three times, uh, the guys from Duck Dynasty sitting in the booth next to you visiting. And, yeah. You know, wow. catfishing is just, I mean, all of those guys, just pick a name walking by. And there's three catfish booths at the whole thing, and then there's little old me. And, I mean, that, to me, you know, you look on social media at these catfish guys and these tournaments down south, and catfishing's growing so fast it's going to be bigger than bass. No. No, it's not. It might just be a bigger wart. Really. That's, right, right. That's how big it is. And then you get into the offshore, and, I mean, walleyes are just tiny, tiny little piece of the picture when you get down to it. True. That's very true. You look at the shelves in stores, and I don't care what store you go into. You can go into Bass Pros, you can go into Cabela's, you can go into Runnings, you can go into Fleet Farm, Shields, whatever. I'm sorry, but there are more aisles and racks of bass fishing stuff than there is stuff for walleye. That has changed dramatically. Oh, yeah. And then, while I'm on the topic of the ICAST, I learned my biggest lesson of professional fishing in the Minneapolis airport, if you can believe that. Really? And I tell this to a lot of starting out people that, so I fly from Grand Forks at five o'clock in the morning and we don't fly to Orlando till one. So I got some time to kill. So I go eat. The new In Fisherman Catfish guide had just come out. So I had that with me. I hadn't even looked at it yet. And then there was a podcast I wanted to listen to. So I put the headphones on, start reading my magazine. About an hour and a half later, sitting in my gate... There was like three people there when I started this. I get done, I take my headset off, I look around, and anybody who's anybody in Minnesota in professional fishing, from the Glorvigans to uh, Corey Schmidt, who's a friend of mine, I mean, anybody who's anybody is sitting in that gate ready to go to ICAST, and no one is wearing a jersey except for the guys on the internet who think they're important. Oh, of course. Everybody's got khaki pants, a polo shirt, dressed casual professional. And that was an incredible, incredible lesson to me as to how to go about your business in the North Dakota on or off the ice. <laughs> right. Isn't that something, though? How, you know, you get those little lessons. I've learned just from traveling around, talking to people, I've learned a lot of lessons. But I, I understand where you're coming from because... My radio show on the internet is a pimple on the butt of the World Wide Web. It is this itty-bitty, teeny, tiny little nothing compared to the the hour, two-hour podcasts. You've got, you know, all the live video that people do. So I get it. You know, you're, you're a teeny, tiny piece, but but you got to do what you do and do it well. 
and reach your group of people in your niche and make those people happy and you can be successful. I got to tell you, I'm looking over here. Producer Dale's laughing at us. <laughs> we're saying this. He, is he laughing? <laughs> if we're, there was we're a camera pointing at feathers? it, I'd push the button and turn him on. <laughs> He's giving us a thumbs up over here. <laughs> he, does he want us to talk about something different? No, no. he's just laughing at us. I'm loving it. Well, you know. <laughs> Two old guys trying to make it in a young guy's world, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, isn't that the truth? So you uh, got this thing started. Now, you were. I talked to you again in Sioux Falls. I I understand you were at the Fargo Ice Show. Did you make it to St. Paul? No, this year I didn't. There's too many things going on. I was going to make it to St. Paul, and the wife drew a work schedule, and we had some other things going on, and I just said, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to go there this year, but... um, so you've been getting around there because you obviously getting around. That's how these contacts are made, which is why I like the St. Paul show, because even if you're not into ice fishing as much like I am, it's a good place to get with the, your friends and see oh, the people. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was the one bummer about St. Paul, because I was going to go hang with Brian Brosdahl and Heather and there, John Thielen was there again. And I, I, I wanted to meet him. I want to have him on the show. John's going to be on this show in a few weeks. Yeah, right. Well, well see, and that, that's the thing. I, uh, I wanted to have him on. And, and so you miss out on those opportunities, but there's always something down the road. And I'm amazed at the number of people that will answer their messages on Instagram or Facebook. They're pretty cool. Some guys will say they'll do the show and they'll completely blow you off. And, and I get it. They're busy. And, and who am I? But for the most part, everybody is very kind and considerate. And that's... That's what makes this whole thing for me uh, worthwhile because I, it, when those people say yes, they get to share their stories with the rest of the radio world, and you know we're still reaching eighty six percent of of all people in the nation. So people still listen to radio a lot. There's a good pitch for terrestrial radio. Um, you know, I, you may or may not know I sold TV for sixteen years, so. I, well, you you may or may not know that I work with Barry Hine, who used to know you. Back in his Grand Forks days, I don't know. He said, I don't know if he'll remember me or not. But uh, when you were doing stuff at WDA, WDAZ. What was the name? Barry Hine. That's not ringing a bell. I'm sorry. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a picture of him and maybe you'll recognize. But anyway, it, it just so happened I was talking about doing your podcast and, uh, and going live with you. And he's like, Brad Durick. I know Brad. From Grand Forks? Yep. So yeah. it is a small world. I'm I'm bad with names, so let's just Me too. leave it at that. I mean, I met a guy from a tap room at a at a beer festival this weekend, and I forgot his name before I walked out of his booth. How pathetic is that? <laughs> I'm the same way. Dale's it's laughing hard. at me Unless again. Unless you say somebody's name two or three times, it's hard to remember. I'll never forget a face. I can be at a game, at a mall, at a grocery store, and going, I know that guy, I know that guy, I know I know that guy. And I, it doesn't hit me half the time. But uh, it, it, if you come fishing with me and you get a good fish or even a bad fish or a memorable fish, the chances are in 10 years, if you're fishing with me, I'll say, you caught that fish right there. If we're driving isn't by. Isn't that it. something? Yes, right. I, I'm the same way. You know, faces and spots and different things, but names. And that, I find that in radio, you know, you 
the entire town, I shouldn't say the entire town listens to you. I, I don't mean it in, in that regard, but you know, a lot of people, a large majority of the community listens to the radio. When you've been on the radio for 35 years in a town, people know you and you don't know all of them. So it's hard for me to call people by name. And I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful or rude, but I just don't know everybody's name. Right. And, you know, dragging my buddy Brad Dawkin into the show again. So he's a newspaper guy, has been for 35 years. And we'll be at a hockey game or something. People will walk up and start talking to him. Who's that? I have no idea. But he's oh, a newspaper guy. He's never met these people. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, they just read. Yeah, they read that it. That makes and sense. It doesn't make, it's nothing wrong with him. You know, he's trying to be the best. I mean, in my case, a lot of times I'll just say, I'm, uh, who are you? Have we met? <laughs> Well, and it feels kind of weird to say that in the beginning, but sometimes you just have to say, excuse me, yes. but uh, I, I don't remember your name. And then and then nine times out of ten is, well, you've never met me before, so I didn't expect you to know my name. I'm like, okay, so hey, you or hey, uh, you know, hello is yeah. good enough. And because of that, a lot of times if I walk at a show and it's somebody I know I haven't met, I just walk up, hand out, and say, here's who I am. Good to meet you. And Yeah, right. Go and just that. leave it at that. And go yeah. from there. If I've got to say something, I'll say it. But no, it's uh, interesting. So I got to back up. You made a comment. Do we need any ads there, Dale? Do we need uh, to get anything done? I think he's got one more left here. Let's run muskox quick, and then I'm going to ask you about how fishing's progressed because you started this. Okay. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque on the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. Okay, break in the action, something I've never done on my show before. Well, we were, well, the listeners were listening to Muskox. I looked at my email and I just got approved for my fourth Coast Guard license. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Good job. I'm legal again. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's fantastic. And it's good that you guys have those, you know. Is it a requirement in North Dakota? It's a requirement because the Red River is international water because it runs into oh. Canada. Same. Sure. We're on okay. the same level as Lake of the Woods and the border waters. Okay. So yeah, I didn't mean to talk about that, but it's pretty exciting that it finally got through. Right. Oh, hey, it's exciting. It's it's worth a golf clap or maybe even loud applause and uh, and a, a whistle and a hiss. Might have to have a. Oh, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or a clap. <laughs> Good job, Dale. Or another double trouble from half brothers might have to happen in this show. <laughs> So, anyway, you had mentioned, you're talking about the 80s to the 90s and the fishing gear. Now, I'm a late bloomer to the fishing thing, so it was the late 90s when I got really serious. But gear has moved at a breakneck speed. And electronics, eh, um, you know, 
sonic boom speed. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when I was a kid, Grandpa had a Lawrence Flasher. He finally he finally bought one, and it was an amazing tool because you could tell how deep you were fishing. It was it was truly amazing. And and then you know you you, you, you leave in 1984 and you don't fish until 90 something, uh, and then all of a sudden you've got eagles and you've got all this dot matrix stuff and graphs and different things and and then over the last it was 2013 I bought my first. Humminbird. I bought the 798s with the side imaging, the down imaging. I fished for two years in the boat without a fishing pole because I wanted to know and learn how to use that Humminbird like nobody's business because I wanted it to help me catch fish. And my friends would rib me and and, uh, laugh at me because like, yeah, you just need to fish. Well, you know, joke on them because they started buying the electronics and they were asking Oh, how does this piece of crap work? You know, said, well, go out. You have to practice with it. And for those people that that say, you know, this is this is just a boat anchor. It's a piece of crap. No, it's not. You're not practicing. You're not using it. You're not doing what you should do. You can't just turn it on. You can just turn it on and use it. That's fine. But yeah, everything. You know, the live scope is live scope necessary. I see that question asked a lot on the internet. No, it's not. You don't need live scope. You don't need down imaging. You don't need side imaging. Frankly, 2D sonar helps you find holes. It helps you find structure. And it helps you find fish. So you don't have to have all of that stuff. But it sure is nice to have. And I enjoy having it. I love the science behind it. Okay, let me ask you this. Because I'm going to back up. I got a whole big thing to go with what you just said. In my opinion, the ability to make your own maps is the greatest thing in electronics yes. ever. Yes. In 2013, I bought the program from Johnson Outdoors, uh, the AutoChart Pro, and I started mapping my own lakes. And by 2015, Navionics was sending guys out, and they were out mapping lakes, and it got to the point where there was no point in me doing it anymore. Now those maps aren't perfect. Lawrence has come along with their Shaded Relief. That app is unbelievable. Use that with the Navionics app or with Lake Master or whatever. And it will help you pinpoint, but you're right. When you sit down and you make a map of the spot you are fishing right now, there's nothing truer. Well, I went a step further. I mapped 60 miles of the Red River. Oh, my. Well, that's what <laughs> nobody else did, right? No, there is no such thing. So yeah. when AutoChart Live came out, it was an update to, what did I have at the time? Onyx. At an Onyx. I'm oh, Onyx. Sure. So it was an update. It came out of iCast. So I started putzing with, you know, I like this section and I'd make the map. Well, then I realized this isn't going to work. Uh, I need a more uniform map. And then as bad luck had it, Onyxes didn't have watertight cases and all my maps got rained out one day. Oops. So when we went to uh my Mega, when Mega came out, I went to the Helix 10 Mega. When that first came out, I took the time over about two years and mapped about 60 miles of river. And I'm the first to tell you that eight hours a day of mapping is one of the most boring things you will ever experience in your life. And yep. I've never had the opportunity to talk to Bro about it, but he was mapping for Lake Master in Minnesota for years. I mean, how boring that has to be, sunrise to sunset, making those maps. 
But See, they, I, I think those guys like if if Bro was doing that for Lake Master, he had he had a bigger, better transducer, and oh, he was yes, able absolutely. to probably do the, the seven to ten miles an hour. Where you and I using the 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 auto chart, you know, three to three I, to five. At I best. auto chart at about eight. Do you? Okay, yep. but I found it uh, when when I was doing it. Uh, I found that I, I I was just getting a better representation of the bottom when I would stick between three and five miles. Well, when an you hour go slow, and, you get more pings to the bottom, so you get a more yep. active. But when you're doing the miles that I wanted and did do, you got to do it faster. It'll kill you. <laughs> but yeah. as I say, it's one of the most boring things you'll ever do because I don't get a ton of days, and I want to do it at a certain level, so I don't have to mess with offsets as little as possible. Right. So it's yep. go time. I'm not guiding today. I dropped a kid at school. I would usually go out and I would map until I had to go back and pick him up from school seven and a half hours later. Sure. You crank up the tunes. In my case, with a center console with the seat removed, you put a bar stool in there so you have something to sit on and away you go. But let me tell you about the learning aspect of watching that all day. I mean, there's just things you learn and you're like, okay, mental note. Okay, mental note. And... That, to me, is the biggest thing. Even better than side imaging, I don't have live yeah. yet. I'm not 100% sold that live is going to make me more money and catch me more fish on catfishing. Nope. So probably I'm, I'm just probably in the wrong area of fishing. That doesn't mean I'm probably not going to own one soon. It just means it may not be for me professionally. But I want to back up to what you said with your grandpa getting a depth finder. I've been on this river long enough now that I learned the basics of the Red River with a Vexilar. Sure. And it oh. would, I tell people at seminars, it takes you an entire summer to learn a, quarter of the, a corner of the river with a flasher because you have to go over it so many hundreds of times and remember it because it's that instantaneous, which is great for ice fishing when a fish comes in, not so great when you're trying to learn a hole. <laughs> Right, but yeah. Well, it, back then you you had your landmarks. What right. was straight in front of you, and what was off to your left or to your right, so that you could you could bring that coordinate back when you came out again. Right, and people in their twenties and thirties, well, they suck at triangulation with trees. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably as bad as I do at writing checks anymore. Well, know? yeah, or balancing checkbooks in my case. Okay, new subject. Anyways, I told people I said it would take a whole summer. In my 14-foot boat with my Vexilar to learn a corner of the river. Now, I know everything about that corner of the river. And then we got 2D, so you could at least have a couple seconds to click it through your head as you're learning it. And then came side imaging, where you got a picture of it in two minutes. And then, now you can auto-chart it and side imaging at the same time. I can take 100 yards of river, and I can tell you anything you could ever want to know about it in three minutes. Isn't that something? You know, and the one thing I think people don't think too much about, and and maybe it doesn't really pertain to you too much at the river, is using the the bottom hardness. So you you find those transitions from hard bottom. It means nothing. I was excited when it came out, and what I found is our options are soft and softer. There's yeah, really okay. no. Yep. In, in any given lake, you know, you're you're working on a system, whether it's a Lake Ponset or a Thompson or or even uh, well, not so much Lake Oahe because it's all basically shale for the most part. You know, you you find those transition spots where where perch might 
live or while I might live, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one of those things that that people just fishing a a, a basin uh, don't pay too much attention to. You know, it, it's a good tool to have if you want to spend the time to let the science help you catch fish. I 100% you know, that's the agree. thing about, about live, you know, when, when I was, I was helping a friend out at the river, set up his hummingbird live, got the thing going and he was kind of messing around with it. We had spot lock on and I was drop shot and watching the screen and he's got the 15 inch. He's one of those guys that's got all the toys. He's got the 15 inch helix. And all of a sudden you've got, three or four fish in three feet of water we're in 16 feet of water they come into the screen and boom they're down and and my rod bends and I'm like oh got a smallmouth bass reel it up nope it's a walleye 15 minutes later you've got seven or eight what i think are bass coming in and boom they're down on the bottom my rod bends i've got another walleye so i'm learning that walleye aren't always feeding on the bottom they might be in three feet of water in a in in 16 feet of water and actively feeding so there are these these things that i'm learning that i'm paying attention to that are important to me to help me find and catch more fish i think that's a lesson that all the live people that are paying attention to it are learning yeah right Right, that and, and I, I try to explain to people too when when you've got forward facing sonar, specifically if you're out ice fishing, we'll keep an eye on what direction the fish are coming to. If they're coming, if you have, you mark twenty fish in an hour, and you've got fifteen of those twenty that are coming into you from the front, and you've got two from behind, and you've got three from the side, you know that these fish are coming from the front now use that science and move closer so what we'll do is we'll move in that direction and we'll keep marks and we'll try to find that that highway that the walleye are following and we hope then we can come back and fish that line again and get into fish again so all kinds of little science goofy nerdy things there but it can help you if you're going to just get the live and turn it on and use it like you would a, a flasher, a Vexlar, or 2D sonar, or down imaging. Don't waste your money on it. If you're not going to actually use it to find fish, if you're just using it to, to watch fish, you are going to learn something about how quickly a fish will come in and go away, and how fast they'll dart in, take a look, and be gone, or how fast they'll come in, grab your bait, and take off. That science is amazing, too. People think fish are slow. They're not. They are not. They're speed demons. One one thing on a section of river, I'm not going to give too much away here, but that we found out was I got onto this big catfish bite, and I'll admit that I drove by the best bite in the state of North Dakota for about a decade. But um, I figured out the why as to what they were doing, and it turns out that they were gorging at night and moving back to rest. That's why they were where they should be, because believe me, they are not where they should be. And it's like, Jesus, I'm a mile away from where they're gorging. So, and I got a hold of an old scientist, old biologist from University of Nebraska, and I asked him the question. He goes, let me send you a quick article. It was from the 60s, and it said, a fish being a fish. That's not migrating, not feeding, not just doing its fishy thing. Can move twice its body length per second. Isn't that amazing? 
So now you take, well, just as a quick, easy example, a 36-inch catfish. That's six feet a second with no motivation. Sure. A mile is nothing. I mean, a, 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 right. a, a 36-inch catfish can move a mile faster than I can cross town to Taco Bell. It's really that, I mean, and that, once that all came together, that whole thing became pretty darn easy. And that was a big, big, big lesson. And electronics did play into finding that. But, you know, that's one of those things. You're finding fish where you don't think they should be. Right. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And and you can use that for uh, post-front, post-frontal conditions. You know, whether it's a day after the front, two days, three days, it will help you learn where the fish are. You know, the, after a cold front, after a day or two, the little fish start moving up. You know, a couple days after that, the medium-sized fish. And then finally, you know, four days, five days after a front, those big fish will come up. They're always the last to come off the bottom. So you can use the electronics to to learn the feeding pattern of fish after a cold front comes through or at any time. Okay, Mr. Scientist, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Let's see what you come up with. Do you believe in the whole fronts and the air bladder thing or... I have started to believe the last decade or so, and I'm just going to speak to catfish because that's what I've studied, that when the barometer's falling before the front and the feeding frenzies get going that we all know about, right? Yep. I believe they know something's about to happen and they're preparing for the negative and that in a lot of cases that whole air bladder and pressure thing means nothing. Your comment. I agree with you. I, I, it's, it, it's hard for me to really, you know, the air bladder. I'm not expecting make, a scientific comeback. I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Okay. And see what you okay. Say. So, so I, I agree with you all the way. They are preparing because they know there's a change coming. Is there something to the air bladder and the fact that there's more pressure on the fish and they're feeling that? Yes, I get it. My son was trying to explain, actually, I was trying to explain it to a couple of guys in the ice house last year. And, and my son said, here, watch this. He'd never done this. I don't even know how he thought about it. He took an empty water bottle. He grabbed three minnows, put the minnows in the bottle, filled it up with water. He squeezed the top of it. And those three minnows were swimming around in the bottom, in the bottle, boom, instantly went to the bottom and they didn't move except just, you know, you got the fin movement. He let go and they were back up swimming around again. So, so does that, does that high pressure push down on the water? Do they feel the effect? I, I think they do. Yes, we're, they feel know, we're the talking effect. minnows here. But. And I'm not going to make the show longer because of this, but I fished with a guy that was a rocket scientist in a previous life. For real, for NASA. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. And he says air pressure pushing down on water will have such a mathematically minimal effect that it there's no way that that can change anything within their fish. But between that and the sun, it can be a definite indicator of something negative. So what yep. I've come up with these fish, when you get that feeding frenzy, that southeast wind, is they're gorging because something's going to happen, but they don't know what. They don't have the weatherman telling them there's a storm coming. So when that front yeah. actually yep. passes, they're just going to go sulk because they do it. And I see it with deer a lot. That they'll get ready. You never see a deer during a blizzard. You always see them the day before a blizzard. Right. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll throw this at you because I notice we're are, we're getting long and, and yep, we're going to wrap I know, it up. But we're having the, fun. The other <laughs> the other thing that I think about too is the fact that we've got a number of walleye and bass. Specifically, let's just stick with walleye. Walleye are are, are grown in a cement pond pool. They're, they're, if, if they're not raised in nature, they they aren't learning from big fish. So you don't have the structure, you don't have the trees, you don't have the rocks, you don't have the sand to the silt, the transitions. You don't have the only thing you have is competition for food because they're dropping food from the from the top of the water. So you got all this food coming in and it's all floating down and they eat. So I think you know wind from the east, fish bite least is a whole different thing to a a walleye that's been raised in in a tank versus one that's been raised in the wild. And I think that's why we see so much difference in our fish these days. I'm not a scientist. It's just something that I thought about, and I'll leave it at that. I I have never thought of that before. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. I'm going to have to ponder that one. There's something to contemplate. You and I might be talking about that. You and I might be talking about that in the future. Maybe not on this show, but we might be talking about that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about it because I, I seriously think that's part of the deal. Well, I'm nerdy because enough. I can go I out and catch fish with up. the wind out of the east, and that never happened when I was a kid. Well, to me, I mean, I'm going to throw this out there now that you got the that. I don't mind an east wind, but I hate a northeast wind. Oh, a northeast wind Can't just shuts it. me down. I hate it. Yep. I hate everything about it. Yep, Fortunately, there's two or three days a year only you have to contend with it, but. Nothing is so worse true. than a southeast or northeast wind to me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, northwest I wind, northwest wind on a river that runs to the northwest sucks because it's pushing up on you. But sure. it doesn't affect sure. your bite. It affects how you anchor to get to your bite. Northeast wind affects how you anchor to get to the bite, and it affects your bite, and it can shut it down instantly. Oh yeah. Oh, straight definitely. east. I'd much rather fish in straight east than northeast. Yep. I southeast. Oh boy, I'll tell you southeast, what, I, can, I don't I can fish care. on a southeast wind out at the river without a problem. Yeah, southeast wind anywhere does not bother me, but southeast wind where we live tends to be the barometer lightly falling and yes, pushing right. that warm air to us living in the north. Yep. So southeast yep. wind, even though it's got a little east to it, is no big deal. That's just pushing us some warm air from the Missouri or the Mississippi Valley. That's all that is. Well, we're going to extend the conversation. I know we need to go, but I just got my latest man cave sign in the mail. Opened it before we started. And thought, well, I got to share it, but it's going to be backwards to everybody, though, right? No, it isn't. It looks perfect. It does. Okay. All right. It makes a lot of sense, right? It's true. And now that you bring that up, because, Dale, are you in a rush? Uh, we got a couple more minutes. Since it's early February when we're recording this, isn't this the time where even men need some retail therapy at the outdoor store? <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't going to fish all weekend, I'd be shopping somewhere buying tackle because I've got a tackle addiction. For what it's worth, all the new Revo models from Abu Garcia came out in the last couple of weeks, and I see they're creeping into stores. So Really? And I have acquired a couple of the spinning reels, and they're really, really nice. Are they awesome? They're really, yeah. Really I'm nice. an Abu Garcia guy. I, I have to admit, uh, that's all I use. I did somehow ended up getting a couple of lose down in uh, Okaboji or the Spirit Lake at the uh, Fisherman Factory Outlet. Not sure how that happened, but uh, but I like them. But the Abu Garcia, 
that that's the way to go. You know, that was something that I learned too. Even last year, I bought my first 10 eyelet rod, the winch. And going from 10 eyelets from eight to 10 made a huge difference because I was a, I'm not spending more than 40 bucks on a fishing rod. Um, okay. I'm learning the more you spend on a rod, the, the better they are. I, Since you don't have you're to have a walleye them, guy. But, and yeah. I'll respect you for a minute here. Yeah. Fenwick, Fenwick, and Fenwick. Fenwick, Fenwick. <laughs> I, that's all of my ice rods are Fenwick. That I can tell you. So, anyway, we got to wrap it up. My friend, thank you for coming on. We barely talked catfish on a catfish show, but it was so much fun. So, stick around. I'll talk to you a little bit when we get off the air. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Again, Season 3 sponsors, Half Brothers Brewing Company, Thunder Rays Auto Repair, Brothers Firearms, Muskox, Snowblowers, and Chiller Bait Tanks. Reminder, between now and next week, tune into any of the other Grand Forks Best Source shows at gfbestsource.com if you'd like to listen to the old Grand Forks Catfish Best Source shows go to redrivercatfish.com click on the podcast button if you'd like to book a guide trip which I would love to have you here on the Red River look me up on Facebook or Instagram or redrivercatfish.com until next week I'm your host Brad Durick roll me some tunes Dale